course, you know that Easter is one of the most significant holidays in the church calendar. It's big because of what Jesus did at the cross and how it was punctuated with resurrection power three days later. What an incredible thing, but it happens right here in the middle of springtime. You know, it's, it's a time in spring of new seasons. There's beautiful blue bonnets everywhere. Don't you love the blue bonnets? Like, it's so nice this year. As you're driving around, you see them. It's like life is springing up everywhere. And, and yes, it is a time of allergies, but, but, but truthfully, there is no denying the beauty of springtime. And you know, I think there's something in us as humans where we just love to see something that was dead come to life. I go through this every year with my yard. I think it's dead. But then by June, it's like coming back to life. How does it happen? No matter how much I mistreat it, it still comes back because as was quoted in Jurassic Park, life finds a way. But there's something that we love about uh, renovating and renewing and restoring things. I mean, let's be honest, there's a, a whole cable channel dedicated to renovations, right? Like, like there's streaming services dedicated to these kind of renovations. I, I love watching HGTV. I am an expert renovator because I have watched so many episodes of houses being renovated. I know what to do. <laughs> I probably will never be able to do it, but I know what to do. And, uh, and, and so I think there's these, this idea of restoration, this idea of renewal that we somehow, this, that is God-ordained, that it's, it, we're wired up with it. And we all seem to love it with something old is made new again. And that's what Easter's really about. Look, here, here's what I mean. So let's take a look at these pictures. Look at this car. This is old, old, terrible. It's kind of, you know, social media is big on before and after. Have you, have you noticed this? Everything's before and after. Here's the before, right? Here's the after. Look at that. Woo! Amazing. Amazing. Look at this kitchen. Check out this kitchen redo. This is, that's a bad kitchen. Not only is it a terrible looking kitchen, but it's messy. Like, clean it up. And then that's before, this is after. Woo! Beauty. Look, check this out. Here's a house, it's totally run down. Totally, yeah, sad. Before, and then after. Oh, nice. Woo, nice. A beautiful Victorian masterpiece here. Now, check out this really nice guy who he's trying to work on himself. You see, like he, before, and then. Are you, does that look really different? I don't know. I don't, I don't even know how that got in here. Anyway, here's the thing. Let's keep moving. This idea of restoration is everywhere. It's everywhere in our society. It's a biblical concept. God wants to restore your heart today. He wants to restore what the enemy has taken from you. He wants to give peace to your mind. He wants to regenerate and restore your soul. He wants to do it today. He's here. He's waiting. He's ready to bring life into your soul in a way that maybe you don't even expect. 
He wants to bring love into your broken relationships. He wants to restore in you what's never, something that's never been done before. And listen, I've been a Christian for a long time and what I find is that God keeps restoring me when I turn to him. He keeps filling me with life even though some of the things that I feel are dead and gone. He, I've seen how he's restored those things back to me. You see, I think Easter and Easter Sunday particularly presents some interesting contrasts. Some of you are here today and you're just kind of passing through your, your friends or your family members and we want you to know we are so grateful that you came to church. I think it's a big deal when people come and they take the risk of coming to a new church because you don't know what you're gonna get. It's like a box of chocolates. But I'm grateful you're here today. Maybe you're here and you're just like, oh, I'm just so grateful they had good coffee from Summer Moon, right? Like, that's your thing. And, and you might be hoping that I won't talk very long, but that's okay. I, we're grateful you're here. But some of you, you're in the room and you know what resurrection life and power really looks like because it's happened to you. You, you know the touch of God's grace in your life in a way that you've experienced his life and his power and you've seen his resurrection story integrate with your story and begin to define your story and you are a different person because he's transformed you and changed you and his heart is pulsating through your body and you know who he is. He has resurrection life and power for you and you're here today and you're all about it. He is risen. And I, I think it's the miracle, it's the miracle of resurrection that changes everything. It's a miracle of resurrection that changes everything. I want you to just look at, you know, you've got a little card in your, near you, in your seat. I know we're kind of big on cards today. But one of the th reasons we're big on cards today is because I don't, I just want you to get this card out. I want you to hold it for a few minutes while I'm talking. We handed these out at Good Friday. It wasn't Good Friday, an amazing service. Oh my goodness. So powerful, so amazing. And I'll tell you this, I felt like that Good Friday service has made me even more excited about what Resurrection Sunday is. It got me in touch with the suffering and the woundedness of Jesus and how he joins me. He joins me wherever I am, whatever I'm experiencing, he's with me. And he was in the grave for three days but by the power of the Holy Spirit, he was raised to life on resurrection day. And so I think that happens to you and me. And, and we kind of wanted this Sunday, you know, sometimes you come on Easter Sunday and you're just kind of here and you're just kind of a spectator. I don't want you to be a spectator today. I want you to be a participant. So I want you to think about what God's done in your life. And I want you to consider writing it down in this card. And some of you, might even share it at the end of the service as we begin to worship together. But I want, you to, I want you to just think about that. I want you to pray about that. And I want you to write that down in an act of faith. You see, because the resurrection gives meaning and perspective and power to our lives. It requires big thinking, right? It requires a certain amount of faith, but it provides unlimited hope to our lives. Resurrection is the life-giving force that makes Christianity actually unique among all world religions. 
And I think it's ultimately undeniable. The best-selling author and pastor Tim Keller wrote in a brilliant book called A Reason for God. He said this. He said, if Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all he said. If he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about any of what he said? The issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like his teaching, but whether or not he rose from the dead. That's a good quote. If he rose from the dead, you ought to listen. You ought to lean in. Resurrection life, it reorients our reality around Christ and releases faith for what's truly possible. What is truly possible? We tend to live in the realm of what we think is possible. We, think, we, we, we live in the realm of what we think. If I can do it, if I can pay for it, if I can make it happen, it's possible. But if I can't do any of those things, then it can't happen. That's a sad place to live. Because you're missing out. There's a guy, a man named Charles Duell. And he was the commissioner of the U.S. Office of Patents in the United States, right? And here's what he said in the year 1899. Here's his quote. Everything that can be invented has been invented. <laughs> in 1927, H.M. Warner of Warner Brothers argued that there was no need to add sound to movies. <laughs> Who the heck wants to hear actors talk, he exclaimed. I mean, he might have had a good point there, I don't know. In 1962, Decca Records turned down the signing of the Beatles, saying, we don't like their sound and guitar groups are on the way out. <laughs> One of the saddest stories is the story of Ronald Wayne. Ronald Wayne sold his 10% share of a small upstart company called Apple for $2,300. Now, if he'd have kept it, he'd be worth more than $200 billion today. That guy, sad. <laughs> but here's the thing. We can be so small-minded, can't we? We get so myopic. We see everything through a tunnel vision sometimes in our lives. It's easier to be the doubter. It's easier to be the skeptic, the cynic. It's more comfortable to question everything. That way you don't end up taking any risks. One of my mentors, a great man that I <clears throat> heard teach for four years in college, his name was Oral Roberts, and he said, pursue your doubts. You'll always find Jesus at the end of them. Pursue your doubts. But God's kingdom, here's the thing, it functions in a totally different way because all things are really possible. Jesus was raised from the dead and restored to new Life. Everybody say it with me. New life. And that's what he has in mind for you and me this morning. The Apostle Paul said it was the most important idea he could offer to the church in, in Corinth, the city of Corinth. He said in 1 Corinthians 15, he said, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. He was seen by Peter and then by the 12. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time. Did you know this was in the Bible? Paul is saying that 
People, all these people saw that Jesus was raised from the dead. He said, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. And then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I was born at the wrong time, I also saw him. He's speaking of his conversion experience on the road to Damascus, where God revealed himself. Listen, Paul's letters and others show that the gospel writers, they weren't making it up. They all wrote about and talked about the bodily resurrection from the beginning. It wasn't something that happened over time. They didn't make it up so that they could get people to believe their message. No, they believed it and they saw it and it happened. The tomb had to be empty. No one in Jerusalem would have believed the preaching for, a, for one minute if the tomb wasn't empty. Paul wouldn't describe in a public document how scores of witnesses, eyewitnesses, were still alive if it wasn't so. As the great Billy Graham once said, he said, there is more evidence that Jesus rose from the dead than there is that Julius Caesar ever lived or the, that Alexander the Great at the age of, died at the age of 33. People don't realize this. There's a lot of historical evidence for the resurrection. But here's the most powerful and compelling evidence. A changed life. A transformed heart. A person who was one way and now they're different. They had something going on in their life that was defining for them, but Jesus saved them from it, released them from it, and now they are living a new life. It, Peter, Peter's the perfect example. You know, all of these apostles, all of Jesus' disciples, do you know that they all ended up going into areas of the world on missionary journeys and they told about the resurrected Christ? All of them ended up giving their lives, except for John. John ended up on the island of Patmos. But all of them gave their lives for the gospel. They were martyred for what they believed and they believed it because they saw it. It changed their reality. It changed the way they thought about life. For so many of us, we kind of come to Easter Sunday and we just kind of think it's kind of fun and it's nice and woo. Listen, resurrection reality must change your perspective. It must change how you live. It must change how you think about your problems. Because if resurrection life is possible, then anything's possible. But I fear we don't live this way. Peter himself, he was this guy who always was putting his foot in his mouth. I don't know if you realize this. One time, Jesus even called him Satan. He said, get away from me, Satan, because of what he was saying. And Jesus calls you Satan, it's a bad day. <laughs> but this guy, who used to put his foot in his mouth, after the resurrection, he's completely different. He stands up with boldness and courage and filled with God's grace and ultimately he was willing to give his life. He stood up and preached to thousands and they, they surrendered to Jesus. It's amazing. They witnessed, these disciples, they witnessed the reality of the resurrection and their paradigms shifted. Peter himself declared in 1 Peter 1.3, he says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a, life, a living hope a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Our community of one chapel is formed by resurrection, life, and power. It is formed by this idea. 
And listen, don't you find yourself longing to be restored? Don't you find yourself sometimes when you've been submitted to the grind, to the struggle, the brokenness of your culture and your world, this brokenness that we sort of live in, don't you, don't you find yourself that you need to be restored from time to time? It's a longing in our hearts. Paul talks about it again as a longing to be clothed with resurrection. We all have it. A longing to not just be renovated, but a longing to, ha- to receive something that changes and transforms our paradigm. The longing to live in peace. God wants to give you peace in your mind today. He does, right here, sitting here in this service. He wants to heal your wounded heart. Same heart you walked in with this morning, you can walk out with a different heart because Jesus can touch you in a moment and healing can come to your soul. Some of you feel like your future has been stolen because your past has been so bad. God can deal with your past and he can change your future. He can, (coughs) but you have to believe it. You have to enter into it. You have to receive it. Resurrection, life, and power. He wants to restore your soul. And give life to what you thought was dead and gone. The gospel accounts, they were not just propaganda. They were not just aspirational and nice uh, analogies. The reality of resurrection, life, and power is available to you and me. And I I have a story that I want to share with you before we worship a little bit more. And it's a story about a man who was really one of the final miracles that Jesus did before he went to the cross. Indeed, Jesus went And he gave his disciples and all who would hear about this story a little preview, a little taste of what was coming, of how resurrection, life, and power was going to change everything. The man he raised from the dead, his name was Lazarus. Lazarus. And he had two sisters, Mary and Martha, and Jesus knew them. They were friends And Jesus had gotten the word that Lazarus was sick. Mary and Martha had asked him to come, and he waited. His disciples asked him why he waited. He said, hey, the the glory of God's going to be revealed here. And he said, I I, I waited, and and we're going to pick up the story in John chapter 11. If you want to follow me, it'll be on the screen. John 11, verse 17, it says, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, which means he could have gotten there in plenty of time. Verse 19, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Martha's Martha's like, Jesus, why didn't you show up? Do you ever feel like that? Jesus, your timetable, really bad. (laughs) You ever feel like that? You say it to Jesus, it's like, Jesus, why why did you let me? Why did you hang me out here like this? Why is this happening to me? Martha knows what that was like. Jesus understood her heart, but she has a little twinge of hope, a little tiny sense of belief. 
She says, I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha doesn't think that's enough for her. She's like, okay, what do you mean by that? Verse 24, Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection and at the last day. In Jewish um, history and in Jewish teaching at this time, they all believed that at the last day there would be a great resurrection. But no one had witnessed a resurrection of a human prior to this. They wouldn't even have thought it was a thing that could happen. And so... Verse 24, Martha says, I know he'll rise at the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, profound statement, here it is. It's the premise of the whole talk today. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you really believe this? It's a good question. Because if you believe it, everything changes. Everything looks different. Everything in your future changes. The urgency of your life changes. If you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, it changes how you live the rest of your life. She says, yes, Lord. She replied, I believe that you are the Messiah and the Son of God who has come into the world. See, listen. It's never too late for you. Jesus will always show up. Some of you are sitting here and you're thinking to yourself, that's kind of too late for me. You know, I've, I've gotten old and I've gotten older and I don't, I, I don't know what Jesus has for me. I think I missed what he really wanted. It's not true. His purpose still resides deep in your soul. You just need to unearth it against all that junk, all that death, all that darkness all that disappointment, all that discouragement. He wants to reveal it to you. And so, pick it up in verse 32. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, see, Mary hadn't gone yet, but she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, here it is again, if only you'd been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also saw her weeping. He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Jesus understands what you're going through. Jesus had compassion for what was happening all around him. The threat of death, the grief that people feel, the way it feels wrong. No matter how old you were when you died, it just feels wrong. Jesus understands how this world can feel so broken, how these two sisters were so disheartened, so discouraged, so disappointed, but Jesus is weeping with them and he's weeping with you. He knows, he understands. And here's the best part. He's the only one who can do something about it. He's the only one. So what does he do? Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? They're like, he loved Lazarus so much, that's why he's crying. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? The doubters are everywhere. The skeptics are endless. The critics never shut up. 
Martha and Mary and the others standing there wondered why Jesus couldn't save Lazarus. Why he didn't show up on time? Why didn't he make it happen? Why did he need to do it? Here's what I find. Here's what I find when I talk to people all the time. They're like, why doesn't God do something about this broken world? Why, if he's so great and powerful, why is there so much evil all around? Why is all this stuff happening? And they don't know. They're just ready to criticize and be skeptic. Here's the truth. Here's the answer. If anybody ever says that to you, here's the answer. Actually, he did fix it. He did choose to do something about it. You just don't like the way he did it. The Bible teaches he's going to make all things new. He is now making all things new. See, here's the problem. We want Jesus to fix things. Jesus, just come and fix my life. Just come and fix. We want Jesus to fix things. But what Jesus wants to do is he wants to come and make something new. You guys get that? He's not, Jesus isn't tinkering with your life. Yeah, I'll just move this around here, try to get this. You got to stop doing that. Hey, quit, quit doing that. You're so dumb. What if you, come to me, I'll show you how to. No. Jesus wants to look at you. He has compassion for you. He understands where you are. And he's saying, I want to give you new life. That's what Revelation 21.5 says. John the, the apostle, he writes in Revelation 21.5, he says, he who was seated on the throne, he saw it in a vision. He said, I am making everything new. Jesus is coming to make all things new. And it's obvious, it's obvious he's not done yet. It's obvious he's not done yet. Jesus is asking each of us if we believe that his life can penetrate the death that plagues each of us now in every part of our life. See, we are resurrection people and we tell resurrection stories. That's what I want you to do. I want you to just think about what has happened to you. What is your testimony? Some of you are sitting here and you're like, I can't think of anything. You know what that means? That means you are primed. You are positioned for Jesus to touch your heart today. And you might even have to write something by faith. I was feeling alone, but now I have a loving community. You might write, I was ashamed, but now I have courage. I was unable to hear God, but now I hear his voice. I was worried all the time, but now I have peace. I want you to consider how God might restore you today. Because just like Lazarus, Jesus is calling your name. We'll finish the story. You ready? Verse 38 in John 11. Band, why don't you come on up? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man. By this time, there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Don't you think this is a funny statement from the woman who's hoping that Jesus will raise him from the dead? Don't you think this is a strange? I love one, how one version says it. It says, by this time, he, stink, he stinketh. <laughs> I use that on my kids sometimes. Hey, I'm going to quote a verse to you. By this time, you stinketh. Go get a bath. She's not sure what's going to happen. You know, that's why we have to have faith. That's why 
That's why we put our trust in God. That's why we, we act in faith. That's what this is, an act of faith. It's writing it down and saying, yes, God, I believe this. You've done it before. You can do it again. I want you to see what happens here. He says, then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out. His hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Jesus is calling you today. Take off the grave clothes and be free. Resurrection, life, and power. Nothing has to hold you down. Nothing has to hold you back. Anything is possible if resurrection life is a reality. Listen, resurrection life is not only for later, it's also for now. That's what Jesus was saying with Lazarus. He said to Martha, he will rise again. Martha's like, is it, is it in the future? Is that? Yes, you know, that's a miracle too. That's a miracle too, but it's not just for later, it's for now too. It's for here and now. Resurrection life overcomes your past. Resurrection life conquers your failure. Resurrection life diminishes and destroys hatred. Resurrection life deals with poverty. Resurrection life deals with addiction. Resurrection life overcomes sin. Resurrection life conquers death. Resurrection means limitless possibilities. Hey, hey, hey. It's the resurrection and restoration project you've been longing for. It's the restora restoration you long for. Jesus called Lazarus out of the grave and back to life. Imagine, imagine the before and after pictures of Lazarus. What a transformation. What an amazing thing. He was the first before and after. Lazarus was the first one who got to say, I was dead and now I'm alive. Maybe in this service today, you already sense God is near you, that he's calling your name like he called Lazarus. You sense he wants to restore you in a way that heals your heart, your soul maybe, your life. So broken, you know, you know that we all have this longing. We all long for God to restore this broken world, the restoration of what's been lost in our lives, the the people we've lost, the joy that's been stolen, the future that's, that we fear has been taken, the peace that's disrupted in our hearts. And many of you, it's true, this world is full of brokenness and violation, disappointment, depression, loss. Jesus is waiting and ready. He's waiting and ready to restore you. And so as we worship, I want you to just let him have his way. We're gonna sing a song about how the blood of Jesus is still powerful today. Because listen, here's the thing about the blood. Jesus hung on a cross and he literally poured out his life because the blood is what carries the life.
He poured out the blood for you so that you could receive life. And three days later, everyone saw that the life of God can overcome even the greatest death, the greatest darkness, the greatest sickness, the greatest disease. They saw it. So I want you just to hold your hands up maybe in your lap like this, maybe if you're comfortable with that, just open up to your heart to Jesus here in this moment. Father, have your way. Father, would you have your way? Do what only you can do in this room. Come with your heart of compassion and touch every person who's carrying sinful, heavy burdens, got mixed up in stuff they know better than to, than to, than to get involved with, and it's, it's, it's tormenting them and it's weighing them down. Lord, I pray that you would release them from that burden today by the work of your name and the work of your blood, the work of your sacrifice. So just let them know that you love them. Father, I pray for every person that needs restoration, every person that needs healing, every person that needs renewal inside, whether they're discouraged, disheartened, disappointed because of what has happened around them. Jesus, would you come with resurrection, life, and power today? Transform our outlook, transform our way of thinking, change our paradigm. Let us see the world differently. Thank you for your blood, Jesus, that you poured out. We receive. We receive here and now. 